Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav and we are back well after a bit of a mental week for us. We were planning to be back at the weekend. We had a pod all recorded, lovely jubbly, and then we had a technical issue, we'll just call it that. So uh, you are receiving us later than usual. We've changed our schedule up just to bring you this podcast. Normally we'd have a preview with an opposition fan, but instead you have a panel of your favourite podcasters because what we're going to do is try and amalgamate the whole conversation around the three games that we've got to talk about. Uh, so joining me down the line is Martin. Hi, mate. Morning, Gav. Morning for you. Very late evening for me. We're also joined by Chris Wynn. Hi, Chris. You all right, mate? It's been a while. Yeah. Bit of a change for you. Like I say, you're normally the one doing the hosting on a midweek, aren't you? But you're sitting across from us for this one. Nice and relaxed. Yeah, well, if we if we sound a little bit bleary, it's because we've just witnessed Sunderland <laughs> head to Hillsborough and lose 2-0 in the League Cup. It was a bit shit, wasn't it, Martin? It wasn't very good. <laughs> it was really, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah. you know, as it turned out, it seemed to be a glorified pre-season friendly, really, if you look at how we used the players that we used and the subs that he made. For Alex Neely's probably secretly quite pleased that we've gone out because it it just lets us concentrate on, on the league and doesn't add any needless fixtures in but yeah it wasn't um it wasn't too much to get excited about tonight was it no no not at all i mean i think from the minute i saw the team sheet an hour before kickoff we could basically tell the way it was probably going to go no strikers fully changed team young kid playing left back two debutants coming in for the first game and obviously we don't know a great deal about them so all these players have been sort of mushed together just to put a team out on the field and the writing was pretty much on the wall from that point wasn't it Chris it wasn't a particularly ambitious Sunderland team that we saw although I know Chef Wed made a bunch of changes as well they did still have a, a pretty balanced team out on the pitch I think Lee Gregory starting up front was a sign that they were at least gonna try and score some goals which was possibly the opposite to us where we we lined up obviously with no striker it was a yeah. It was a you could tell pretty much from the moment we saw the team sheets that it wasn't going to be our night. I think. Well, actually, I mean, on the on the team selection, I know there was a lot of rotation, but if and I think Don Goodman actually made that point in in the commentary as well on Sky that if you look at the side we put out, there was quite a bit of experience in, in that side. I mean, if you look, although Winchester's not a natural, you know, defender and he was playing in a back three. I mean. Bailey Wright or Lisa at the back, you know, he's he's got a lot of potential. We've bought him to, to play first team football. 
Matete and Onang, I mean, that's a good, solid, you know, central midfield in there. No, I, I, just... I, I don't disagree with you. I, I just think the point I'm trying to make is that it's very much a case of he's just picked a team there just to get them all on the pitch, hasn't he? So Absolutely. He's, he hasn't put a bunch of mugs out, but he's put out a team no, no. where really it's going to be difficult for us to see. I, I was, to be honest, as soon as I saw it, I thought, we're not winning tonight. No, well, I thought, I thought, well, I wasn't going to say that, you know, we were going to wipe the floor with Sheffield Wednesday or we're definitely going to win, but we're on a bit of a, you know, crest of a wave in the championship and all those players want to be involved. So I, I just wanted to see it a bit more for them and, and it just seemed like it affected them negatively not being, you know, actually being in that lineup to fight for their first team players rather than like G'd up to say, right, well, if I give a good performance, I'm going to be in the reckoning for, for the weekend. And I just wanted to see a bit, a, a bit more from them. I wasn't expecting a win. wasn't bothered about a win. I mean, if uh, you know, for the three people who read my match preview um, out there, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said in there that let's say we did put a first team out, I wouldn't have swapped a two nil win for Ross Stewart going off with a hamstring injury like Gregory did for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. So I'm glad we, I'm glad we did what we did and rotated the team. But I just, I would have liked them to see a bit of, a bit of fight from them. But it was just a a hot night and what no atmosphere and I'm just not sure the players could get up for it to be honest. No, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think there was a, a lack of sort of spark for the whole game. But like I think you spot on, Chris, in in that it was it was disappointing in that, you know, people like O Nine, Matete, Patrick Roberts, you know, these are all players who, you know, would have been banging on the manager's door going, you know, I, I should be in the first team and had a great chance to prove it there. And nobody really... Like, I think Jack Diamond was probably the only one yeah. who put in a performance where you go, you know what, he could be useful for us this season. Um, I thought Roberts was really disappointing. Although he was kind of playing out of his, his natural position. There wasn't really anybody who was really staking a claim to be included on Saturday, was there? I'd say I'd say Hume did all right. I'd say yeah. Hume didn't do too badly yeah. in, in, in flashes. I think he was yeah. the other one, him and Diamond. But the others, they just... Like I said, I, I think it seemed to affect them negatively that they were in the team tonight to that, that almost accepted that they weren't in the team for the weekend. So why yeah. bother? And yeah. rather than I'm, I'm going to put a shift in tonight and I'm going to give Alex Neil a, a headache for the weekend. That's definitely what you saw with diamond. Didn't you? That especially in the first half, he was running more than everybody else. He was making some quite often. It was frustrating to watch him make some really good runs and nobody was picking him up. No one was playing the ball. I mean, the, the one occasion where he did receive a good pass, he nearly scored. And I've been quite a big fan of Diamond for a while. I stick up for him when other people sort of get on his case because I think there's something there clearly with him. You know, he's gone out on loan twice now and done well both times, albeit at a lower level. And he's just he's got something about him. I don't know what it is. I know people get frustrated by him because a lot of the time he tries things that don't come off. But I'm a big fan of players who've just got the confidence to run at defenders. And yeah, it looks crap when it doesn't come off, but it looks great when it does come off. And... You do need a player like that on your bench, don't you? Especially if you're losing or you're drawing late in the game, especially at home at Stadium of Light. If you're lacking a bit of spark and you just need a player to come on and run at defenders and maybe get us a goal or, or get us a free kick around the box or a corner. How many other players have we really got like that who you could say are, are, are really squad players? I don't think we've got a great deal of them. So I agree with you, Martin. I think there's potentially something there with Diamond. And if anybody has done themselves a favour tonight, it's definitely him. Well, he's a, he's a player, as you say, who can produce something out of nothing. And I think, you know, if we'd signed him in this summer after having a really good season for Harrogate, scoring 14 goals in League Two, 21, 22-year-old, however old he is, 
if we signed him this summer, we all be going, you know what, this kid's got something. It's a tendency that I think all football fans have um, when, when young players come through and they're not the finished article because they, they never are. But because we've seen Diamond over three or four seasons, and you know we've seen some great bits, we've seen some indifferent bits and seen some bad bits, you, you know, young players improve and he's improved with his loan spells. And I think there's a point now where you go, well, what do we do with him this season? Do we keep him around the first team on, on the bench? Is he going to get into the first team? Or will he be better served having a season on loan in, in League One where he can develop further and then hopefully come into our team, which is hopefully still in the Championship, next season? So it's going to be an interesting one for Alex Neal to figure out over the next few weeks, I think, with regards to him. He was always on the shoulder of the last man and he was always looking for that ball into the channels. He was, yeah. And he was stretching the game, even though, he, you know, unfortunately he had a he had four players behind him in Matete, O'Nine, Embleton and Roberts who didn't really look up and actually struggled to pass it five yards all night because <laughs> they just either couldn't be bothered or couldn't get up for it. But but Diamond was always looking for that ball in behind. He was running the channels and he was pressing as well when Sheffield Wednesday were in possession at the back. He nicked it off the, a couple of times and got us possession back and he passed it backwards and then we gave it away again. But yeah, I mean, Diamond was the only one who, for me, had that attitude where it was, yeah, I'm, I'm going to show Alex Neil that, you know, I deserve at least a place on the bench at the weekend. It's an interesting one, isn't it, with um, the formation that we've had for the first, what, three games now of the season where we've had three at the back. And, you know, you've got Diamond, whose natural position's sort of playing wide in attack. He's, he's not wing back. We've got Patrick Roberts, who we saw tonight, you know, shifted inside, which didn't suit him at all. We've got Jack Clark, who's been deployed at left wing back, which isn't his sort of natural position. So we've got these three pretty talented wingers who we haven't actually got a place for if we keep playing three at the back. And I just can't believe we've spent so much money on Clark and Roberts not to play with wingers. Yeah. And it was a point, to be fair, and it was something that we talked about on the pod that never came out at the weekend, wasn't it? And that <laughs> it potentially leads on to a discussion around recruitment and the fact that right now maybe it's just horses for courses and Alex Neal's playing a system that he might not necessarily want to play long term until he gets some new players through the door, which obviously goes back to what you've just said there about the fact that we've got real quality out wide and we're not actually playing with, with wingers at the minute. You can sort... I hope that's the case anyways, because I, well, I don't think, think long-term that these players are wing-backs, are they? No, well, you, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have paid money for Jack Clark to play on left wing-back over a long period of time. And I think, you know, with the recruitment conversation, I think tonight's game probably strengthens Alex Neal's hand a little bit as well. Because, you know, yeah. the powers that be will be watching the result, watching the performance. And Alex Neal, you know, has been stressing in press conferences that, you know, some people will get a bit of a surprise in terms of the jump in quality once the action starts in the championship. And, you know, we on, on the field, we've got four points out of six. We had a, a good performance against Coventry, a very good in performance in spells on Saturday against Bristol City. But Alex Neal will be wanting some good reinforcements to come in um, before the, the window shuts, won't he? And I think, you know, really... That for him, that means three or four players coming in who should be starting, and I think that's what he'll be hoping for. And you know, in some respects, if we'd gone out and trounced Sheffield Wednesday four nil, turned in a great performance, Christian Speakman's looking, going, oh, we don't need another three or four players. We've got all the strength and depth." But you know, tonight's performance might actually work for us in the longer term rather than against us. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just, just quickly on that formation point, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I, I've got the same thoughts about Clark and Roberts playing as out-and-out wingers, but it was a, to be fair, it was a formation that Alex Neil kind of used quite a lot in the running where he had those 
players as, as wing-backs. And I know in League One, you can probably get away with it a bit more. But the other aspect that comes into it this season with the signing of Sims, that we're going to play more with someone closer to Ross Stewart than we did last season. Alex Pritchard was the closest to Ross Stewart. Ross Stewart did a lot on his own and held the ball up. But I think with Sims, we're going to play more with almost two up front. So he's going to accommodate formations where he's got someone alongside Stewart. So then that probably leaves a position less that he can, that he can put in the midfield or at the back. It does, doesn't it? And I think, you know, Alex Neal had said in, in midweek with Sims, you know, you've got somebody who can play alongside Stewart, come off the bench and offer something or can replace him if he's injured. So he's he's versatile in, in that respect in regards to how we can use him. But with with, with the formation, and you know, not wanting to get stuck on, on that point too much, but like I keep coming back to the fact that when... We spoke to, Gavin and I spoke to the Preston fan when Alex Neal was appointed. It was very much Alex Neal's a back four manager. He doesn't play anything different. He's a back four manager. And I think for parts of last season, it was again a needs must scenario where it was going, you know what, we just need to get a result today. And playing three at the back with the players that we've got gives us the best chance of it. I keep coming back to the fact that when the pressure was on in the playoffs, when it was a must win scenario, we went to a back four. For the for the three games in the playoffs, and I just think that kind of tells you where Alex Neal's preference lies and what we might see longer term. But you're right with Sims, and it gives mm. us an option, it gives us flexibility to to play three at the back when we when we need to, doesn't it? Mm. The other big disappointment, I say, that if I was going to really pick anything out, it's the fact that to me the centre midfield of our regular starting team, those are the probably the two positions that are most up for grabs. I think we all. So I expect another centre mid to come in at some point who had a bit of quality in there. But that that leaves sort of Evans and, and Dan Neal's position in the side vulnerable. And I was I was hoping tonight that we would say something from any one of those three players, like Embleton, 09, Matete. 09 and Matete in particular, because they're the two holding players. I was just hoping to see something different, see a good performance, see see anything really that would indicate that they could possibly break into that team at the weekend. But like Luke 09 and I, I've, I always stick up for Luke 09 but he he looked lost he, his passing was off everything was sort of five yards behind where it should have been or it was over hit everything was rash he was trying to play first time passes when it would have been more sensible to hold on to it and then yeah. Matete was just not in the game and I, I really want to see him kick on and it's going to be tough because if he doesn't break into the team he isn't going to get a run of games he needs to you know when he gets these up he's probably the one player out of that group today other than maybe Diamond and you could argue Roberts where I think he really needed to show what he was worth tonight because he would have a really good Matetia performance tonight would have put him in the team at the weekend in my yeah. opinion um, and, and we haven't seen it and I'm a little bit disappointed in that, in that regard but I, I wonder as well though how that all feeds into so obviously we talked about the start of 11 we talked about how that team selection immediately probably cast doubt in the minds of the players that the manager even cares particularly about the fixture even before the ball's being kicked but on top of that you know you're into the game it's nil nil and then their centre mid absolutely wallops one top corner so any enthusiasm that they possibly had for the game for doing anything was likely sucked right out of them with that goal because it was like what do you do about that and that that's sort of how I felt about the performance I don't know about you Chris like that that was a, obviously a seminal moment in the game, wasn't it? That goal. 
It was, it was. I mean, it was, it was an absolute corker, but there, there was there was nothing really in it because I think before that Wednesday just looked half decent because because we were so bad, but they were pretty well average at best. I think they were actually poor until they got that first goal. But that you're completely right about that central midfield, and and that's why I mentioned it first off. I mean, that central midfield for me, you know, Embleton, O'Nine, and uh, Matete behind him. I mean, that that's a that's a fairly strong midfield. I think we went into the game with. But like you said, none of them, none of them were up for it. None of them were challenging. And I slightly disagree with you, in a sense, with bringing somebody in in midfield. I do think we need somebody, and we need somebody of quality to go in that centre midfield. But I think the problem is the amount of numbers we've got in this the middle of the park. I think someone might need to leave before we bring another one in, because if you if you think about pure numbers, we've got there was three in there tonight. That was a different three at the weekend, so there's six for those positions you probably you've got winchester who could go into the middle of the park if you want so there's seven i mean are, are we going to add an eighth to to you know central no. midfield who can play in there i mean i'd like us to add the quality but it, it just in pure numbers can we add another one in there i think we'll see a few players leave towards the end of august if we bring people in and i think you kind of look at um the, the midfield options that you talked about there chris i think like winchester's a prime candidate for leaving at the end of the window I wouldn't be surprised if we cashed in on him although when we um Gavin and I spoke to Nick Barnes on Sunday Nick was just talking about Winchester off the field wasn't he Gavin how how yeah. important he kind of is around there and you know he is on the verge of the the first team so whether that transpires or not I don't I don't know I think Matete you know on tonight's performance like Matete did more in the last three minutes than he did all game he had a really <laughs> nice run then he got on the ball, started knocking the ball around. He he, he kind of condensed a, a ninety minute performance in, in the last three, which was was disappointing. But you kind of saw a glimpse of him there. But you know, he's a young lad. He's got tons of potential. Does he need a loan? You know, in terms of like his I was, development. Well, yeah, I was I was I was going to bring that up when I could speak next. Yeah, I, I think he's the one who leaves. I think, well, I think quite, when quite you look possibly. at yeah. when, when you look at his sort of experience before he came to Sunderland, if the case is that we're going to sign a centre mid. When when Alex, Alex Neal's talking about bringing four or five players in, one of them's got to be a centre mid. Yeah. So, you know, if we're bring if we're bringing in another centre midfield player, I, I think I think someone will leave. But I don't. I think it might. Yeah. Uh, the logical one would probably be Matetti. This is the thing with the sort of transfer policy that we've got, right? And this is what we'll kind of all need to get used to a bit because we're signing players who are 19, 20, 21, 22 to develop them with the intention of them either becoming good first-team players for us or us making money from their, their transfer. And that development can take a number of forms. Right, We can give them experience in our first team to develop them. We can get them in on at books and loan them out as we have done with Jack Diamond last season. And you know, Matetia could be that, that player this season where he has a, a season in League One playing regularly. And next season he comes back and he's he's got a shout for the first team. But you can't just base his, his future... For this season of of tonight, Sean, but like you, you wouldn't say he was going to be a first team regular anytime soon for us in, in Championship, would you? So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think, like, if you look at like Corey Evans, injury prone, Dan Neal, unproven, and he burned out last season. So we are going to need somebody to come into that position. Yeah, and just just quickly on on O'Nine because I rate O'Nine as a footballer. I think he's he's good with the ball at his feet. But just recently, and I don't know whether pre-season affected him a little bit, because, I don't know, he seems to, like tonight, he almost forgot about playing football. He was intent on trying to, 
you know, get those little niggly challenges in and, you know, really kind of get Sheffield Wednesday wound up rather than yeah, I noticed that. playing football mm-hmm. and, and doing what he does well. And he seems to have forgotten the football side of things recently and decided he's this kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of destructor of, you know, when the opposition have got the ball, he kind of jumps in and it's his job to do all of that, which is, a, you know, is a good thing, but he's forgotten to do the football part as well. And I think O'Neill needs to get back to thinking, you know, I'm a good footballer as well and remember... And he can do the other side as well. Yeah, just last thing on the cup. An interesting stat was that 11 teams, including Sunderland, obviously, went out to lower league opposition from the championship in the, in this round. Uh, that's a, that, a, that's a crazy stat, isn't it? But it, shows, it does show you, though, that I don't think there are many teams, if any, in the championship really prioritising this competition because it's such a wide-open league where... You know, you can be you can be in the playoffs one year and relegated the next year. That those extra games, teams are looking at it and thinking we don't need this. What's the point? You know, and and I I suppose when you look at the rotations that a lot of these teams have made, including ourselves again, it's easy to see why they've they've sort of just let their eye wander and and haven't took it particularly seriously. You know, I'm not I'm not using that as an excuse for Sunderland, but you know, I think I just think that when you look at what other clubs have done as well. There's obviously something about the League Cup this year with the Championship sides where they're just not bothered. Yeah. Well, if you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan, you're thinking, we've got an extra game, which we probably don't need or want. Our main striker, our top scorer last season, has got a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Was it really worth it? Yeah. Which is a shame because when, when when we were all kids, we loved the Cup run. We even had it last year, you know, where we'd done really well in the Cup. But someone brought this up earlier. Like, if you think back, back to that Cup run, it sort of coincided with a downturn in form. But Broadhead got crushed. And Broadhead, yeah, yeah Broadhead, Broadhead got a yeah. really bad injury in that Arsenal game that kept him out a long time. Yeah, we had a good cup run, but it wasn't worth it in the end. And it did negatively impact on our season. We lost one of our top players that season to an injury which was sustained in a, in a game that ultimately we didn't really need. So no. I, I'm, I'm really not bothered. Like, I'm not. And I doubt Alex Neal's bothered. I'm going to guess at least privately he's pretty happy to not have the league cup as a distraction, <laughs> he wants to keep Sunderland in the Premier League and do his, in the Premier League in the in the Championship <laughs> nice. and um, and do do as well as he possibly can this season, and that's the only priority. Twenty twenty three already. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Hey, you tell you what, it'd be great for we're this time next year. <laughs> Speaking of the Championship, then we might as well look ahead to the weekend since we're not doing a another preview pod this week. We've got QPR who. They are another team who went out of lower league opposition. They lost to Charlton on penalties. We don't have the luxury of uh, the fact that they, it went to extra time or anything because that doesn't happen anymore. So that would have been nice if they'd at least had another half an hour to play. But regardless, no, they, they went out. Uh, last weekend, though, they beat Borat at home. Well, a lot of teams, a lot of pundits actually have been tipping Middlesbrough for um, success this year and they've not had a great start. But that's a, that's a really good win for QPR, to be fair because that sort of avenged the fact they lost on the opening day to Blackburn. So they've had a, a decent enough start, I guess. I mean, that, that win against Borough puts them in good stead before facing us, doesn't it, Martin? We've got a difficult task ahead, I, I suppose. But every, I, to be fair, every team in this league is going to give you a hard game, aren't they? If, they, if you catch them on that yeah. day. No, that's right. And I think the uh, I watched the highlights from the, the game against Borough and they looked really impressive for the opening spell of the game. I think they went 3-0 up. Um, Willock scored an absolute worldie. But then second half, Borough came back. They scored two. They had, I think McNair had a goal disallowed for offside. That would have equalised the um, the game. 
So, you know, there's obviously a bit of vulnerability there at, at the back. And again, I think it's a great test for us. You know, we saw our, our game against Coventry where we had some spells of, of domination, but we were a bit vulnerable on, on the break to them. And they obviously scored a nice goal to, to equalise. Good performance against Bristol in patches. And again, it's you know it's nice to be back at home, and you know I'm just in, interested and intrigued to see how we we actually handle the game because you've got that that spell of um, you know promoted teams normally start the season with a a bit of sort of confidence in the step. They've got the the momentum from the end of the the previous season, haven't they? So it'll be interesting over the next few weeks to see how we actually continue that if we continue it. Um, mm. But coming off an away win, coming off four points out of the first six, you'd hope that optimism was was pretty high within the squad despite the. Um, the cup result. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Willick's goal last weekend, Martin. He's apparently injured for this game, so that's a bit of a boost for us. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. How are you feeling ahead of it, Chris? I'm like I say, I'm really confident. I, I totally discount the Chef Wed game like out of my mind. That I, I don't think that's gonna impact on the on the team that plays on Saturday. No. No. If anything, I hope it gives um Alex Neil a you know, a few lines in the in the team talk to say, well, you know, you know that that shower behind you couldn't uh, couldn't get a performance going during the week, so I'm, I'm putting the the proper lads back in, and they'll, they'll all be kind of back up for it. But uh, but no, I, th- I think uh, QPR is a real kind of good one for us. I think early in the season, because I mean, and I kind of I hope you know what I mean about this, but QPR are kind of a real kind of championship club at the minute. You know, they they've kind of you know really established, they're kind of stuck there because they've been recovering from those crazy years for so long you know that you know under Briatore and um was it Hernandez and all the, all those owners who spent millions and millions and they're still kind of recovering because they've been in the championship um for this is their eighth year I think in the championship but they, they haven't the, the highest they've finished in that time has been ninth they've had three bottom eight finishes um in the in the seven years they've been there and a bit like us they've had kind of six managers or something in the last seven years and all this sort of stuff but they've really kind of established themselves as a as a championship club and they're gonna like a mainstay, you know, season after season. And they're in a bit of a transition period because they finished eleventh last season, which was a it was a kind of a good season really for QPR. At, at January they were looking like they were going to push for the playoffs and they were hanging around the playoffs. And then they had a really kind of iffy run in and then they had the whole episode with Mark Warburton where they just simply just didn't offer him a contract and he kept he kept coming out in interviews and uh, press conferences saying, well, I've been offered nothing, so I assume I'm leaving. Um, and then and then he left. And I think a lot of people were surprised about it. And then a lot of people were surprised about Michael Beale, um, who they picked to take over, who was uh, Gerard's assistant um, at Rangers and, and Villa. And he's, he's only 41 and it's his first managerial appointment. So it's going to be interesting to see how QPR do this season because their their recruitment in the summer they haven't been able to get that much done although I think Tyler Roberts is probably the big one Jake Clark Salter as well um who we're familiar with but I'm not sure he's quite as gonna have I as think much he's injured. As, as Tyler yeah, Roberts yeah. I think is he's injured, injured as well? apparently yeah. yeah yeah he's injured so yeah, well, and also and also the he was always suspended for us wasn't he? <laughs> also the first well they've, they've signed the left back to be first choice this summer and he's one of the players who picked an injury up at the weekend so some shifting about in defence, to be fair, for QPR. They've also got Jimmy Dunn, yeah. who who is known to our fans. So, just a couple of familiar faces. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know a great deal about them. You're right, though. They've been, they seem to have been down here for ages now without really going anywhere. But these are the games, if we're going to have a solid season, these are the games where, at home, I think you, sh- 
you know, you, you want to be picking up points, winning games against... Look, QPR are obviously a very good team in their own right, but I just think it, it'll be interesting, which, you know, after, after we assess the game and we know which way the, the result's gone, be interesting because if you are going to have a solid season like, you know, quite a lot of us hope and suspect we might, then I think these are the games you win. I actually do. And, and a, a win would be great, obviously, seven points from nine. Just quickly on that though, Gav. I mean that that I think we should be confident at home. Exactly what you've just said. I think every home game we've got to go out and say, well, we can win it because we're at home. We've got to have that confidence. But on the other hand, I mean, we've still got to say, you know, we've just come up, and in terms of expectation, we're playing a side who had the seventh best um, away record in the championship last season. So I mean, these type of games, you know, although. They, oh, well, the mid-table, you know, let's go out and try and win it. Yes, I think we should have that attitude. But at the same time, it's not going to be a walk in the park. They're a decent side and they had a good record away from home last year. Yeah, I think there is a there is a little bit of a danger, isn't there, about, you know, we, we've had a, a nice opening day draw, got an away win, and everyone thinks, ah, oh, this is going to be a piece of piss. We're going <laughs> to turn over everybody at home and roll through the league. And it's not going to be like that. And I think, you know, we, we need to pick up as many points as possible Getting as many points as possible on the board now is going to be really important because we're going to go through a dip at some point. And, you know, if we win on Saturday, brilliant. A draw isn't the worst result after the, the away win. And if we get beat, it, it's not going to determine anything at this point of, of the season. So, again, I think it's going to be a really interesting game in terms of giving us a marker for where we are at as a, as a team. And, you know, I think what expectation... And reality um, doesn't normally go hand in hand with with being a football supporter, um, but you know we I think we do have to keep a, a modicum of reality in how we we're looking at games because you know it's not going to be easy. And Alex, you know, I think Alex Neil said in pre season, didn't he? Like football fans concentrate on the league that they're in and don't really pay a great deal of attention to what's going on outside. And he's, he's spot on. Like you know the, the number of Premier League games I've watched over the past four or five seasons. Is I you know I'm probably counting them on my fingers and toes because I'm just not interested in that. But I've watched an awful lot of League One, but I haven't watched a great deal of Championship. So in terms of gauging where we're at with the Championship, it's quite hard to to know until we really get into this season. In terms of team selection, and obviously we touched on it before, Chris, uh, expecting any any major changes. I suppose we we have flitted in pre season between sort of three at the back and four at the back, haven't we? And if this is one game, you know where Alex Neal's looking at it and thinking, I quite fancy us if we go for it today. You might not go with that five at the back, you might go with the four. So do you? what do you think will happen? Because I'm, I'm really not sure, to be honest. I'm not, but I'm sure it's going to, especially after you know the performance against Sheffield Wednesday, it's going to be difficult for Alex Neal not to go back to what worked against Bristol City. Unless he's got a specific game plan for, for QPR, that he's seen something you know that the week... You know, if we, if we play a back four and we play out and out wingers or something like that, if the wing backs like to push on and we want to get in behind them or something like that, but I just think the temptation for Alex Neal is probably to go, you know, go to type and we played well against Bristol City and to go back to that. Hmm. But yeah, you'd like to think well, based on last season, Alex Neal seemed to have a plan for each team, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he went back to a back four. No, well, I've looked at QPR's formations in the last few games and the. They started off against Blackburn away with a three at the back and then the last two games they've played with a four. Obviously, like I said before, they've had some defensive injuries, so you know that that's probably going to dictate what they're able to do. But from our perspective, I think we've just got to try and 
stick to what's worked for us, which is playing to our strengths and making sure that we create chances for the two lads up front. Because I think if anything was learned last weekend, it's that with good service, Ellisim's going to score goals. Ross Stewart's going to continue scoring goals with good service. It sounds very rudimentary and basic because obviously that's the be-all and end-all in all teams at all levels. If you have good service for your centre-forwards that they, you know, they're inevitably going to score. But it, it's it's not always that easy, is it, Martin? We've got to, I think we've got to really play on that at least early doors. We know, we know that these two lads can score goals, but by the same token, teams are going to be looking at Sims and Stewart now and thinking, right, we've got to take them seriously. If we weren't already doing so, We've got to take these two lads seriously. How do we how do we restrict them? How do we stop Sunderland getting the ball up to them? And that's perhaps something we haven't become used to so far in the early stages of the season. No, that's right. And you know, I was listening to the second tier pod. I think Chris, you spoke to one of the lads off there for the the preview last week, didn't you? And you know, they they were talking about Stewart and Sims as being you know potentially one of the most potent strike forces in the championship. And that's after one game of being being paired together. Um. So they've obviously got goals in them, and they're, they're obviously starting to get attention. And, you know, I keep coming back to the fact that I, I just believe we've got goals in our team. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, as well as the front two, Pritchard can can score, Embleton can score, Roberts, Clark, all have goals in them. And I think, you know, we, we'll naturally create chances. So I, I suspect, you know, what happens behind the attack, it'll, it'll change game on game. And as Chris said, you know, Alex Neal had a plan for each game last season. He's talked this season about taking it game by game. So like I think he he will back our our attacking players to get a goal or two whoever he chooses and I think what happens behind that front three four or five will, will probably change game by game slightly it might only be you know it might not even be personnel it might be how how we're set up or how we're structured or individual roles within the team but I think that'll change but you know with Stewart and Sims I am looking for I, I do hope they play up front together on Saturday because I'm looking forward to seeing them play again because. You know, Sims made such an impact on on Saturday, and it was nice to have a striker that just takes shots early because we've kind of lacked that probably since Madger. You know, we haven't had a striker yeah. who will just get the ball out of his mm-hmm. feet and shoot. And um, you know, Sims did that to, to great effect on Saturday, and you know, hopefully that's a trait because you know we we spoke to Hearts fans and Blackpool fans, didn't we, before um, Sims signed, and that was like the the, the thing that they both pulled out of him when he takes shots quickly, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you were three minutes into your debut, great confidence boost for him. And you know, I think that, that obviously had a, a bearing on Broadhead's um, decision to sign for Wigan by by all accounts because Sims had such a, a good start. But you know, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how we line up on Saturday. And yeah, we've got goals in our team and the front two look look like a good pairing. Yeah, and j- just on that point you've raised about, about what's behind that, I completely agree that <laughs> for once, for once, a Sunderland side does look like it's just got goals in it. I mean, it's been a long time since we've been able to say it. that, but but not just not just relying on someone like Magic, but actually goals within quite a few players. You could say a few players might pick one up, but as you said, actually one thing I've seen from the Championship in in our games and looking at the highlights of the other games is actually what seems to stick out so far. I mean, I know we're only two games in, but the defending in right across the Championship doesn't seem that great. In the, in the this early in the season, and I don't know whether it's well. Just... I've picked up on that even from watching the highlights shows and stuff, Chris. Yeah, the the defending doesn't yeah. look great. The re- I mentioned at the weekend we were we were talking obviously and we we were assessing the last weekend's game, but the referees as well. So there's, yeah. there are some <laughs> things where you you look at it and you go, there's not a great deal different in those regards. But just on the point that you were raising there, Martin, that you do wonder if 
it's going to be something that Alex Neal's going to concentrate on because it was the first thing that he showed up last season. And, we, you know, against Bristol City, there the were some mistakes that led us to, to conceding yeah. the goals. And we did we looked a bit flimsy at times. We looked a bit shaky at the back. So you do wonder if there's going to be a few tactical changes to, to shore up what's going on at the back and make us a little bit tighter. Because if we do that, that could be the difference between us and a lot aside from that that bottom half looking at looking upwards, um, because it seems like it's not something that's particularly strong in the in the championship as a whole. And it's not necessarily like defensive play within the the back three or back five or back four. Is it? It's how the midfield protects the defense as well, and how we actually move across and the, that unit behind the forwards works together. So you know we we might see a change that is designed to, to strengthen our defence, but it actually doesn't come in defence. It comes in, in centre midfield or it comes out wide or, or wherever. What's your good feeling telling you, Chris, about the game then? If you if you were putting down the marker now? Honestly, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of one one at the weekend. Yeah. I think QPR are a strong strong side away, especially away from home. And I think um yeah, I'm I'm thinking of one one draw. Martin? I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. I think there'd probably be more more goals in it. So I would, if I was going to go for a draw, I'd go for a two-two, but hopefully we can um, you know, make a couple of defensive changes and see out a two-one. That's my optimistic prediction. <laughs> I think we'll win. I genuinely do. I'm, I'm, I don't know whether it's just that early season optimism or whatever, but the 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 Chef Wed performance hasn't dampened my spirits at all because not one of those players who played last weekend featured, and you know it has no bearing on Saturday's game, and we we. We've got momentum still, although, yeah, we lost on Wednesday night. It was a cup game that really nobody cared about. I think the momentum that we've carried forward from League One and getting promoted into the new season has been really promising. Um, it doesn't mean that the, the rest of the season is going to be playing sailing, but I think early doors at least. Especially with Sims getting two on his debut, he's going to be high as a kite. Stewart's off the mark. Pritchard was fantastic down at Bristol, got two great assists. All of those players took the shine off Jack Clark, who probably had his best son in the game. You know, so yeah, it's fantastic. Th- th- there's a lot of positives to be taken. Yeah, we know we we've got to be better defensively. We're conceding too many goals, too many daft mistakes. Center of the park, we're not really dominating games. The right side of the pitch, I'm still not convinced about Gooch. But you know, the team, it's working, it's functional. We're creating chances, we're scoring goals. So I think we'll win. I genuinely do. And but I would take a point. I think a point. Any point in the championship is a good point um, when you're just coming up from League League One. And I think I think Alex Neal knows that. And I think that what's been quite promising from the fan base is that I think the fans have actually sort of accepted that. Whether they'll still accept that 10 games down the line if we're, we're losing a bit more and, and stuff, I don't know. But um, you could tell sort of by the reaction after the Coventry game, couldn't you, that people were... Although we'd lost the lead late in the game, people were still like, "It's it's a point, you know, it's not a bad point." Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. Th- I, I think providing we we just give a good account of ourselves, that'll be fine. You know, even if we lose and we've played really well and scored goals and got beat, I think people will still come away and think, "Well, you know, we did all right there." So, yeah, I'm pretty confident still, <laughs> even though I'm tired and really warm. People will know. <laughs> listen back to the Wednesday night. Jesus, how hot is it? And I'm actually melting into my chair. So we're going to leave it there, I think. Um, thanks, Martin. Cheers for joining us again. Cheers, Gav. And cheers, Chris. Thank you very much. We've given you a, a little bit something extra to think about. Although you've got it, we'll not tease it too early, but we've got a couple of specials in the pipeline with you, Chris. Haven't we? We've got a couple of nice interviews coming up at some point 
on the pod, which are already we in have. the can. So yeah, we'll not we'll not give Fingers away crossed. too much, but yeah, should be should be some good stuff coming. Yeah, we'll be back with I think a reaction pod after the game on Saturday. I think Mike's coming over from Dublin again because he's mad, and he'll be on the pod. Uh, from the pub after the match. That's cheaper cheaper than travelling in, in England. It cost him twenty quid to get to Bristol from Dublin. <laughs> I was <laughs> like <laughs> it would probably cost me four hundred quid on the train. Something wrong somewhere. Anyways, that's a totally different argument, isn't it? Um <laughs> so yeah we'll be back with that and we'll also probably have a, a review pod on Sunday as well, which will go out probably on Monday. So plenty coming. Make sure you check our report.com across the week as we'll have everything building up to the game and afterwards. And we'll catch you later. Cheers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.